Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to WrestleMania Week here on Eat. Sleep Suplex Retweet! Hi everybody, this is Scott McLeod welcoming you to a special episode of Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat here as part of Wrestling Week. As you know, we've covered a lot to do with the biggest show in sports entertainment, but we'd be remiss if we ignored what else is going on in New York City, WrestleMania week. So here with a special Best of the Indies show, primarily we were focusing on the show coming from WWE's former home in New York City, that is Madison Square Garden and Ring of Honor New Japan Super Show G1 Supercard. Obviously, I can't do this by myself. I've assembled an all-elite panel of experts to help me with this. First off, he is to ESSR what Chris Jericho is to New Japan. He comes along every so often and causes nothing but chaos. It's Grant McRobbie. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you back, Grant. It's like all in is when we last had John. It was. <laughs> yeah, been too long, man. Good to have you on. It's good to be back. And uh, joining us, a man who has brings a lot of expertise through his years of reporting on wrestling through the wrestling bible that is Power Slam and Mirror Sport as Mo Jantra. Hi Scott, hi Grant, thanks for having me on the show. Thank uh, you took the time to uh, speak with us. No, it's, um, we're coming into a really exciting week now and uh, everyone's really buzzing for it so uh, really glad to be on to talk about what could be um, the show of the weekend and that's saying something. Yeah, absolutely. Considering we do have WrestleMania the following night, that is saying something. Some housekeeping before we get started. Be sure to follow us on all good social media. We are at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at SuplexRetweet. Also, give us a like, rating and review on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all good Android podcasting sites. Please give us five stars and go back on all our back catalogue and our other shows we've had this week covering WrestleMania. Uh, before we get to G1 Supercard itself, we should probably talk about the road that got us here, because there were rumblings of Ring of Honor wanting to put on a show in Madison Square Garden. It seemed like WWE had quashed those plans, but then there was this major announcement that New Japan and Ring of Honor would be hosting the show Mania Week. Uh, well, I'll start with you. How big is this announcement that somebody other than WWE for the first time in decades is putting on a show and was WWE's host? Oh, it's historically huge. I mean, there have been so many promotions over the decades and promoters that tried and failed to run a show, a pro wrestling show in Madison Square Garden, the Mecca, the home of the WWE, and they failed. And um, for New Japan and Ring of Honor to have got this show booked for Madison Square Garden, um, arguably the most famous um, sporting venue in the world, is a major accomplishment. So... Well done to them for getting um, the show booked in that venue. 
but it, it's um, certainly going to be a historic one because um, the, the last show that was run out of that venue, and in fact it was a previous incarnation of Madison Square Garden, was in 1960. So we're talking nearly, uh, what, 60 years since um, a non-WWE, WWF, WWWF show took place in Madison Square Garden. That's how historic it is. Absolutely, and um, it does seem that it does still hold a special place in Derry's heart, despite not using it as often as they would at the fact that they're allowed to believe that they did try to put an end to Ring of Honor on a show. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Vince clearly had a bit of a, a bit of worry with them trying to put on, but the thing is he can't make an enemy out of Sinclair Broadcasting that own Ring of Honor. They're a big, big name in America. And the fact that they've managed to make such a big show of it, it shows a willingness and taste for something different besides WWE that weekend. Absolutely, WWE clearly showed they had no reason to stop them from putting us on because it's the only the Garden was actively looking for new wrestling to put on there, having WWE not using it in a long time, mainly use it for house shows nowadays. Yeah, usually they're kind of festive season, usually Boxing Day, the big ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, it does show, you said, there's a demand, for, uh, especially amongst fans, because there are 1,500 tickets for the show and they did sell out in just under 10 minutes. So it does show this and with All In and All Elite Wrestling selling out mass arenas, there is a uh, demand for an alternative. Well, there definitely is, especially if you look back to All In last year. It shows how big the craving is for something different. Yes, All, all In, which uh, you were actually at, Graham, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, best weekend I had. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to talk about the uh, other big story surrounding this. The show is happening April 6th and the Saturday before WrestleMania, which is also where NXT TakeOver New York was scheduled to take place. And that has now moved to the Friday and they switched in the Hall of Fame and its place for Derry not to go head to head with NXT against G1 Supercard. Yeah, I think it is because um, I think that they perhaps uh, worry that um, they'd be going head to head with a show that potentially on paper could be um, better in terms of the in-ring action. And, you know, a lot of fans would, instead of talking about NXT, would be talking about the other show. Um, so I, th- I thought it was a smart move by them to move NXT's TakeOver show 24 hours earlier and instead put the Hall of Fame head-to-head with the Supercard. But um, ju- just as a quick correction, there were actually 15,000 tickets on sale, not 1,500, and uh, they did sell all of them out. This was back in August, bear in mind. And at that time... The likes of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were on the um, Ring of Honor and New Japan side before they obviously departed to join AEW. Um, so that is part of the reason why they were so successful in selling so many tickets out um, almost immediately. And I think that's part of the reason why moving NXT um, to the Friday night was a good move because if Omega and the like were still going to honor that booking um, for the supercard, um, then a lot of the attention would have been taken away from NXT's takeover show and onto the uh, rival event over at MSG. So it was a good idea by the WWE to switch things around, move NXT to the Friday and shift the Hall of Fame to the Saturday. Absolutely. And like you said, like, this was also there back in August before a card was even announced before All In had even happened before we knew the official like this, a non dairy show, this could be pulled off. I think All In proved that it could work. Yeah, yeah. I totally did. Um, you know, All In was just a raging success um, beyond anyone's wildest imaginations. And, uh, you know, the success of that show is what led to um, the Khans uh, coming in, Tony Khan 
um, most notably, clearly investing a lot of money into what we now know is AEW. So, um, you know, that, that, that certainly paved the way um, for what will be a very, very intriguing, you know, development for the business in AEW, um, especially when their uh, first proper card um, comes together next month in May. Definitely. Also, the NXT card as well as G1 Supercard looks stacked. So I think it's a real benefit for the fans, especially if you're in New York, that you now have the option to go to both shows as well rather than having to choose one or the other to go to. Yeah, it definitely makes a difference having that, that freedom, plus the length of the shows will be quite different as well with the sheer size of the cards compared to each other. Speaking of NXT, you can go back, look back on our back catalogue and see here Sarah Grieve, myself and a few others of ESSR breaking down that card as well as the Hall of Fame as we just mentioned. We have a Hall of Fame show on our back catalogue hosted by my brother Ross. I think now is the best time to go into the to look into the card. And we'll start with our two matches here, our build as main events, but we'll start off with the one I think, and I believe a lot of other people think will be the match that actually closes the show, which is Jay White defending his IWGP Championship against Kazuchika Okada. Uh, this is Okada earning this opportunity following his recent New Japan Cup win. Uh, Grant, I'll start with you. Jay White seemingly over the past uh, few months pulling his win at risk and over Okada and then unseating Tanahashi. It seems to be... The Rocket is firmly strapped to the back of Jay White. He's definitely been making an impact. And, I mean, the, you could tell they were going to build him up something big when he came back after his excursion. And that's the thing, Ring of Honor fans will be familiar with him because he was there before he came back to New Japan. Well, the uh, idea of uh, him now taking the ball as the main, almost, gaijin of New Japan, I think, is almost seeming to fill, uh, fill a role that was uh, once played by Kenny Omega, who has now departed for a E-W. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got not inconsiderable shoes to fill. Um, Omega was just on another level um, before he departed New Japan in January, and uh, the work he had been doing in you know the, the past or the previous two years, especially leading up to um, his eventual departure from New Japan, was as good as anything we've ever seen in this business. Um, so for White to follow in those footsteps was an almighty ask. And uh, on top of that, you know, White isn't the most charismatic of individuals. Technically, he's a really, really good worker. Um, but those intangibles um, that make Omega the special talent that he is, um, Jay White simply doesn't have those. So um, it, it is a tall ask to follow in the footsteps of somebody like um, Kenny Omega, but he has been doing a good job. Um, I mean, I'm still not personally sold on on Jay White as a headliner, and I think that based on reactions, um, neither are the fans. Um, but you know, with time, um, he could just grow into the role. So I'm not going to completely dismiss him. And I think that um, if he does close out the show against Sakada, then uh, you know it will be a really big litmus, te- litmus test to see exactly what his long term uh, potential is if uh, the reactions to him in the match are not all that strong then maybe it might force new japan to think twice about whether this is the guy to be attaching that rocket to or to keep it attached to him rather um whereas you know if, if the reactions are really strong and especially if he goes over a carder again then um you know that that could certainly be the making of him absolutely and we have Okada going into this match having won the New Japan Cup with the uh, opportunity against Jay White at MSG was, was up for grabs for the winner. I think 
this is kind of the road back for Okada and kind of the main event scene, having lost to White not only in the G1 but at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. This is where Okada, as the remaker, finally gets his redemption almost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, Okada for so long had been the dominant figure. Um, his title reign, which was the best part of two years um, before it ended June of last year against Omega, was possibly the greatest title reign um, of this millennium. Um, I mean, his reign compares with any reign. I mean, Kabashi's is probably the closest. But, you know, as, as a major Kabashi fan, even I'd have to admit that the Akada title reign was just something else. And, uh, you know, he, he was the main man, even though he wasn't um, officially the ace of New Japan. You know, everything was built around Akada. So, you know, it's all about the redemption story for him and getting back to the title that was his. You know, it's, it'll be intriguing to see if a win here brings him back to the promised land or if White consolidates his position at the top and Akada is not back down a peg or two. Um, so it's really intriguing you set up. Uh, I genuinely can't call it either way, but uh, you know, if you put a gun to my head, I'd probably say that White retains the title. I'd probably go along with that one as well. I think Okada's 0-3 against Jay White at this point. But at this point, Jay White, he's had one, he's done what's that oh. one day defence, and it probably needs a bit more to get a bit more credibility at the top of the pile. Yeah, absolutely, that's right. Um, you know, he, he needs a bit more time. I mean, if, if they're going to go this far with all these wins that White's had over other people, um, for it to be cut short at this stage when he's only just won the title um, in February. Uh, would, would be too premature in my view. So uh, I think they need to give it a bit more time. And um, if they fail in the title reign, I, I think there's less to be gained than if they stick and persist with White. And they, they need somebody to, you know, be that nemesis to Okada. And, you know, Tanahashi, as great as he is, um, can't be that individual uh, for too much longer. You know, he, he's... You know, 41 now, and you know, in terms of his peak performance levels, we might only have a year or two more left, and uh, they, they need to build for the future, and uh, they need to give White more time. So for that reason, I, I think the logical decision would be for him to retain. So before we move on, now we get official predictions for this match. So uh, Grant, I don't know who you think is walking out with the championship, Okada or Jay White. Jay White breathe with the switchblade. <laughs> uh, Mo? Exactly the same. And uh, I'm going to get three for three. I do believe that, uh, especially with Gero, uh, manager beside him, I think Jay White's going to have a long way to go with that championship, possibly even on to next year's Wrestle Kingdom. Move on to what is billed as the second main event of the night is a triple threat ladder match for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Sees the champion Jay Lethal playing his championship against Matt Taven and winner of Ring of Honor Survival of the Fittest, Marty Scurll. Now, this was did seem like it would be a, just a one-on-one match of either Lethal or Taven against Marty, who specifically said he would have this championship match at Aston Square Garden, but due to the circumstances surrounding Lethal and Taven going to a one-hour draw at Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary, it's now been made a triple threat ladder match. Uh, Grant, I'll start with you. Would you have rather this was just a one-on-one, or are you happy with this change of a triple threat? I think 
having it as a triple threat, it makes it a bit more interesting, especially because with Skrull, I feel there's a bit of a wild card with him because he's almost all the rest of the elite left. He's the only one left. Will he stay or will he go? That's the thing that's got me wondering about the outcome. Absolutely. Well, your thoughts on this triple threat match? Yeah, I think um, clearly he won't be at the level of uh, White against Sakada, but I think it still has the potential to be a really, really good match. Um, Lethal in the last couple of years has been a very consistent performer in Ring of Honor. You know, I was I was never his biggest fan, but um, in the last couple of years, he has really been a consistent performer and uh, some of his work um, has been amongst the best he's ever delivered. I mean, his match on TV against Jonathan Gresham last year, which I think was a 60-minute match, was one of the best TV matches of 2018. And, um, you know, he's in there against Skrull and Taven. And, you know, Taven, for me, has really come on in leaps and bounds. And I think that he's somebody, after all these years now, who has the potential to be a genuine headliner for Ring of Honor. And uh, some of the work he's done in Mexico, I, th- I think has really helped to develop his uh, the character side of it of himself as a performer. Um, Skrull is just a supreme talent, uh, one of the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I, I would be <laughs> absolutely delighted to see him win the title. But uh, I, I, I think that maybe the feeling that Taven might be coming to his own now, and uh, you know, he might be the kind of individual that can carry the title as this long-term heel champion and so i think that um they might be leaning more towards taven but certainly the match itself especially with the ladder element to it as well will certainly make it um, another really really good match and a great showcase for, for ring of honor with three very talented individuals no i think you're right about the about the, the stipulation it makes that a bit different since new japan don't usually do them it'd be a bit odd seeing a ladder match on a show with new japan talent and also a women's match as well, come to think of it. Yeah, that's that's the one that kind of stuck out to me. I was like, oh wait, there's a women's match here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, think I do agree with what Grant said about uh, Skrull being a potential wildcard because uh, of all the members of the league, he is the one that's still left and he did recently get get his own faction of villain enterprises who, well, well, we'll talk about in a moment, have their own gold aspirations later in the night. So I think the idea of Skrull now leading this faction and potentially as the world champion, I think... You know, you're quite right. Um, it was interesting that he decided to stay around. So clearly, Ring of Honor must have said, well, you know, we, we've got some major plans for you. And furthermore, um, you know, he obviously still gets bookings in Ring of Honor, uh, sorry, in New Japan as well. Um, so perhaps he didn't want to quite sever that link at this stage. Uh, but perhaps the thing that did convince him was the promise of um, a run with the title. So, you know, that that could mean that he, he picks up the belt here. But I've got a feeling for Taven. Um, I just think that uh, you know, he has really come on in, in recent times. Um, but I, I would be more than happy to see either, either guy win the title. Um, I think they're both really, really talented. Skull is world-class as far as I'm concerned. Um, just a, an exceptional talent. And uh, you know he, he can really do a lot for, for Ring of Honor. Um, and I, I think also he's possibly the most over talent as well and um, the reactions he gets on tvs and their kind of weekend specials um are always great so you know if he is the figurehead um then again he, he'll do the title justice that's for sure yeah the idea of like either this or the iwgb title match being the main event uh the fact that this has a ladder match I think that causes some doubt as to which will be the main event because ladder matches are obviously hard to follow I, I, I still think um, 
I'm, I'm also kind of going with them, thinking what New Japan's put on their website. If they've given the order in the right order, it does look like they're going to have the IWGP on last, which to me, no, no, not dissing the Ring of Honor Championship, but the New Japan belt has a lot more prestige and a lot more history. Dealing with Mark Skrull is definitely a fan favourite. I was thinking if he was to win the championship and with it being a match, I could see why they would put that on last rather than having the heel champion kind of closing the show off. Jay White was to retain, send the crowd home happy as the term goes. Yeah, it's very interesting to see where they're going to go with it, with these belts. There's definitely uh, some interesting things in the future. Well, are you firm on Matt Taven as your winner for this match? Or? I am slightly, yes. yes. Uh, I think that he's the outsider. I think that he's perhaps less a fancy than Skull, but um, I think that the way that they've been building Taven um, over the last yeah, 18 months, uh, I just feel that they're ready to, to go with him, and uh, so he's my pick. Uh, Grant, what is your prediction for this match? Who do you think is walking away with the belt? I think Taven's walking away with it as well. He's been built up pretty well with the Kingdom, and I'd love to see Skrull with it, but something tells me his contract might be up soon, and AEW's calling. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Mark Skrull, kind of, of well, you guys actually think Skrull's sticking around for a while, and I think the reason for it is there are big plans for him, including a world title run, because I think he's been praying for a run with the top belt for a while, and I think this is going to be finally his moment. There are a series of inter-brand matches with Ring of Honor and New Japan. We have UGP tag team titles and the Ring of Honor tag team titles with Grills of Destiny, Villain Enterprises, the Briscoes and Evelyn Sonata in a four-way winner-take-all match. We have the Never Against the Ring of Honor World Television Championship put up by Jeff Cobb, and we have a match I'm particularly looking forward to, which is a three-way for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Belt with Taiji Ishimori representing the Bullet Club and New Japan, Bandido representing Ring of Honor, and Dragon League representing CMLL. Well, which one of those three matches to you in particular kind of stands out? Well, I mean, for, for me, it's one of the two between the matches between Osprey and Cobb or the three-way between Ishimori, Bandido and Dragon Lee. I think both of those will be exceptional. Um, but again, possibly Osprey versus Cobb. I think that um, Cobb, since he um, debuted in Ring of Honor about, what was it, six to eight months ago, has been so, so good. Um, you know, he's been having really good matches with everyone, um, even with Shane Taylor and there's not many people that have really good matches with Shane Taylor. You know, the work he's been doing with everyone up and down the card um, has been so good. He's been so consistent. And Osprey is just um, unreal. Every, everyone knows that. He's uh, an absolutely magnificent talent. And the fact that he'll be wrestling in Madison Square Garden will mean a lot for him. And uh, I think if these two are given even 15 minutes, they will assemble a really great match. And... Uh, I think that Ishimori, Bandido and Dragon Lee will as well. But I, th I think for Osprey and Cobb, this will mean that a little bit more um, resting in that venue. And I think they'll pull out even more stops than uh, the other three will in the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Some good points there. But uh, the reason I'm looking forward to the triple threat is because Bandido and Dragon Lee, two of the best luchadors, I believe, that are currently working. So I believe that the potential spots coming out of that match will be some of the most talked about of that night. Uh, Grant, what's, which of those three matches kind of stands out to you? It's definitely going to be the triple threat for me. There's a lot of story going behind this, and 
three exceptional talents, Bandido making a huge impression, working with Progress and PWG. Dragon Lee interesting because of the background history of him and Hiromu Takahashi. Uh-huh. And what happened last year. Yes, uh, it was an unfortunate incident uh, which saw Hiromu having to vacate the junior title. And Hiromu has been teasing a little bit online that he's getting close to being a thousand percent ready again. That would uh would definitely be good news. We, we don't like to see anybody have to sadly walk away. It's basically such an age like Roma still in his uh, mid twenties. I haven't really talked about that much, which is winner takes all for the IWGP and Ring of Honor tag team titles. This was meant to be a one on one little tag match with the Girls of Destiny putting up against the then tag team champions, the Briscoes. But then we had Brody King and PCO Villain Enterprises taking the belts at Ring of Honor's 17th anniversary, and also even say inserted themselves as the former uh, IWGP Tag Champs. Would you guys prefer to see just a one-on-one match, or are you happy with the four-way? I'd probably prefer a one-on-one match. I'm not always a big fan of these um, multi-man matches where you've got three or four teams because uh, I think it's a little bit harder to tell tell a story. No, then, then it has to almost we worked in a spot fest type uh, fashion. I think with some of the individuals involved, um, working a story match shoots more than going spot to spot. Um, now, th- these types of multi-man matches work better in a promotion like uh, Dragon Gate, where you know, it, it's uh, very common for them to work those types of matches, whereas less so for some of the individuals involved in this one. Uh, that said, though, I mean, you've got PCO and uh, you, you've got Sonata and you've got the Briscoes who... Um, you know, are really good. Now they, they will, they will certainly bring it. I mean, uh, Tamatong and Tongaloa, they'll bring the profanity. Um, but uh, you know, <laughs> as workers, I'm, I'm less sold on them. Um, but certainly, there's enough talent in the match to certainly make it, you know, a really fun outing. Um, but I think, given some of the really exceptional matches on paper that are decorating the rest of the card, this will certainly be. Um, a perfectly acceptable match, I reckon, but one of the more forgettable ones, given some of the other stuff that will be going on on the show. Grant, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, to me it feels a bit forced, because, yeah, I get that the pre- the others, the Briscoes and Evelyn Snada were the former champs at the time, but to me, a one-on-one tag match would be better. I was actually a little bit gutted Evelyn Snada dropped, because I would have rather had them going into it, because there's such a tag team, and Sonada... Look at his showing in the New Japan Cup. He's something special to watch. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do see why some people prefer to be at one-on-one. Like, I actually would love to see what would happen if it stuck with the uh, Girls of Destiny v. Briscoes, but I think this may be a case of wanting to get like everyone on the card because like, maybe they were seen as kind of maybe not bigger, a bit bigger on the level of not being in the New J- the Honor Rumble that will be on the pre-show. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, they do want to get as many. When you're talking two quite stacked rosters, it's a challenge to fit everyone on the card. Well, I think following the performance he gave in the uh, New Japan Cup uh, finals, I think Sanada does deserve a spot on the card, albeit somewhat, like you said, forced along with Evil into this match. To go back to the Never Open Weight, the television championship match between Jeff Cobb and Will Ospreay, because for me, this is a tough one to call. Because Will Ospreay's kind of been on this like upward trajectory of battling in the heavyweight division, like moving up from junior to heavyweight and successfully winning the Never Open Weight Championship at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, Jeff Cobb has been on kind of a dominant run in Ring of Honor. 
and think you can I could easily see either men walking away with the title. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you look recently, Osprey and Cobb, we got a little bit of a taste of that during the, I think it was the Honor Rising shows, and Osprey got Cobb up for the Stormbreaker, and that's a big guy mm-hmm. to lift up like that. If I had to pick one of the two, I'd probably go with Osprey. Um, I think Ring of Honor would really like to use Osprey a bit more often. And, you know, I think just today, as we record this, um, yeah, I said he's finished up with progress um, for about the 500th time. Um, so we'll see if he actually sticks with his wear this time. Um, but I, th- I think that partly might be because we might just see a bit more of him in Ring of Honor. Uh, I think Ring of Honor would love to use him a bit more than they do. And uh, putting the World Television Championship on him, there would certainly be a way to get him a bit more involved um, on TV and their main cards. So um, of the two, I, I reckon Osprey could pick up the victory here. It will be a very interesting match because, well, Osprey is known for his, his high fly. He can pull out some extraordinary feats of strength, like we said, getting Jeff Cobb up for the Stormbreaker. But Jeff Cobb as well, being a bigger man, he's not afraid to pull out some athletic moves when necessary. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, Corby's deceptively agile, um, in a way, a bit of a throwback, almost uh, a Buzz Sawyer or a Bam Bam Bigelow type, this kind of big guy who very smooth and can move around like a guy who's 50 to 100 pounds lighter than he really than he actually is. So um, I, I think he will mesh very well with Osprey. And I, I think that's why they will have a really great match and they've got very high expectations for what they can do. I think that uh, you know, their, their styles will uh, complement one another. And um, you know, Osprey you know, looks to go balls out all of the time anyway. But I think in certain settings, on certain shows, he puts in that extra effort. And I think this is one of those cards where, as I mentioned earlier, it will really be something special for him to work MSG. And I think we can expect something extra special from Osprey in this one. Grant, you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Osprey's been stepping up big time. He's been putting heavyweights away in the New Japan Cup. You look at what he's matched with Okada, he's matched with Jay White, actually, back at the anniversary show. He's going to pull out something special and he's been teasing a lot of big things lately. Let's start to get some uh, predictions. First off, we'll talk about the uh, four-way for the IJGP and Ring of Honor tag team titles. Uh, I actually actually see the Girls of Destiny coming away with both sets of tag titles, especially if Jay White is to successfully retain in his match and potentially Ishimori in his match. I think this will be a, ma- a night to showcase the dominance of Bullet Club in, this, in its new form. Uh, Mo, what's your prediction? Um, I've, I've got a sneaking feeling Evelyn Sonata could um, pick up the victory here. Um, I think that um, New Japan is very high on Sonata, especially after his performance uh, during the New Japan Cup. But that said, um, maybe looking to just hold off on him in terms of a more meaningful um, singles run for later in the year. And uh, I think they'll like to just keep him busy um, with a prominent title or two um, in the meantime. And so what better way to do that than to uh, stick the uh, IWGP and ROH tag straps on him and Evil. So those are my two picks. Uh, there could be potential dark horse picks too when this, given the word, is pretty late. Grant, what are your thoughts on the tag titles? I think dark horses, but I've got a sneaking suspicion about villain enterprises. All right. He's a uh, new 
just pick a new faction forming and hopefully a few dominant ones like this and its 17th anniversary could go a long way in legitimising so three different picks there Grant, what are your thoughts on the uh, Osprey Jekyll match who do you see playing it with both belts totally see it being Osprey he's got a rocket strapped him he's going to the top uh, Mo, do you agree with that sentiment? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think Osprey all the way for me. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Osprey as well. As much as Cov has been kind of tearing up on the knee, especially in places like Ring of Honor and PWG, I think I can definitely see well Osprey coming out with full belts for the same reasons that you you both have mentioned. And uh, finally, the triple threat. I think I've already given mine away. I think Ishimori is going to going to have a dominant reign so far, and I think that's set to continue in what will be. Likely a show-stealing match. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Mo? We'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, I, I expect um, Ishimori to retain. Uh, I think that uh, Bandido, um, you know, he hasn't had much exposure in New Japan, and I don't think they're looking to go with him as a regular at this stage. And uh, Dragon Lee works very rarely in New Japan even though I think he absolutely belongs. And I think that uh, the junior heavyweight division does need a bit of a bit more life to it. Um, and Dragon Lee would be the ideal person. But uh, he, he still seems to be a pretty regular feature for CMLL. Um, so I don't think that um, they're going to put their premier junior heavyweight strap on uh, part-timers, so that's why I think they will stick with Ishimori um, and, unless they've got plans to bring Bandido or Dragline a bit more regular, but I don't think that that's the case so that's why I think uh, Ishimori will retain. Fair enough uh, Grant, what do you think uh, is Ishimori going to retain or can you see either Dragline or Bandido uh, coming away with the belt? I'm thinking possible long-term story with this one, so I'm slightly swayed and I'm going to say Dragon Lee. I think he could get the belt and eventually Hiromo's going to come back for it. It would be an interesting piece of storytelling uh, provided he is fit to return the ring soon and I think it's an interesting pick. Uh, we'll move on to the rest of the card. Like I said, it is stacked, but I wanted to ask you guys what some of the other matches that we haven't mentioned already that immediately send it to you when you when you look at the card as a whole. Grant, I'll start with you. What are some of the other matches that stand out to you that we haven't mentioned yet? Um, I'm expecting something special in Naito and Ibushi. Definitely. The chemistry those two have is unreal, and the way Naito's been teasing Ibushi with that belt, it's just lovely storytelling. Yeah, I can't disagree. Um, I thought their match in the New Japan Cup about three weeks back was um, absolutely exceptional. Um, and I was, I was a bit concerned when Ibushi had to take that time off after his match with Osprey at the Dome back in early January. Um, you know that elbow to the back of the head was gruesome. I thought, well, is he going to come back quite the same? Might need a bit more time before he's back to his best. He didn't even skip a beat. He was back to his best night one. Um, his first match in the New Japan Cup, he was on it, um, and uh, he's just um, an absolutely amazing talent. And uh, you know, I, I just think that this is an, yet another. Great, great match. Um, if they're only given 15 minutes, um, you know, they'll be able to conjure up something special. So uh, I think that these two will you know, deliver one of the best matches of the night. Absolutely. Uh, this being for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, which NATO currently holds. And as good as I think it will be 
coming to two and goal, I think I can easily see Naito uh, retaining this because he only just regained it a few months ago from Chris Jericho. And I think Ibushi has major, like, major plans for Ibushi regarding the heavyweight championship potentially later this year, which I could see him even winning the G1 Climax. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time Ibushi's committed long-term to a promotion, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he usually is not known for uh, tying down to a promotion. Uh, was off, I think he was offered uh, to go to WWE following the Cruiser Classic, chose not to, so it's always interesting what's going to happen with Ibushi because you're never sure if he's going to commit long-term. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think that um, certainly that decision proved to be the right one if you look at how um, the Cruiserweight Classic morphed into 205 Live and if you look at how that division, that brand, if you want to call it that, has kind of panned out. Um, we certainly made a, the wiser move to stay with Japan, New Japan specifically. I fancy a title change though. I think that um, they'll be putting the title on Ibushi. Um, I think that he certainly made for an interesting champion and uh, clearly um, I haven't picked too many title changes thus far. Um, and that's why I think that um, you know, this will be a, a candidate for a title switch and therefore Ibushi to pick up the belt. Hey, Grant, how do you see this going? Do you see Ibushi getting a run with the title? or I see Ibushi. I think the fact that he's apparently they're saying he's committed to a two-year contract, which is big for him. So I reckon they're going to put a belt on him. I see belt's a good shout and he'll make something special with it. Definitely, I can see that potentially happen. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Going forward, um, well, any of the other matches that we haven't mentioned so far that uh, stand out to you, you want to particularly mention? Yeah, um, Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Rev Pro uh, British Heavyweight Championship will be yet another great match um, for this show. Um, I can't see it being anything other than that. Um, now, when these two get together, um, they normally assemble a really, really good match. And I'm expecting no different here. You know, Sabre Jr. is on, uh, you know, in great form. Has been for you know, the last couple of years. I actually picked him as my best in-ring worker of 2018, um, even ahead of Kenny Omega. Because even though Omega's matches, best matches were, you know, better than anyone else's in terms of the volume of great matches, um, I, I just saw nobody have the kind of volume that Zack Sabre Jr. had. Um, so I think he'll really bring it again. It'll be a big deal for him to work MSG. Um, and Tanahashi is a legend. He's one of the all-time greats. And uh, for him, again, to work Madison Square Garden will mean something for him. So I think these two will assemble something pretty special. And, uh, you know, we, we've got about six matches that all could easily be match of the night. You know, that's how close the competition is. And and that that is probably an appropriate word to use, competition, because... Um, I think you know all of the talent on this show will want to pull out the best match of the night. Um, e- even though that honour normally goes to the last match, I think um, there'll be matches on the undercard that will certainly look to make their mark and uh, run that main event very close, if not top it. So, uh, you know, th- this is such a stacked show, it's unbelievable. Absolutely, and uh, we talked about uh, potentially Osprey and Skrull coming out as champions, so... Staying on the results could be a big night for British wrestling with three of the UK's top stars potentially coming out of the world's most famous in their West Championship belts. Grant, what do you think of uh, Sabre versus Tanahashi? Well, Sabre's been probably one of my favourites for the last couple of years. His 
submissions are truly, truly gruesome. Things like orienteering with napalm death and cremation lily. I've never seen anyone tie the human body up in such ways. And you got the Zack Driver, which you got from Takamishinoku. Now, obviously, they do have clearly New Japan show some faith in because they definitely top caliber opponent for such a big show to be paired with someone like Tanahashi just coming off his record-breaking uh, eighth IWGP title reign. And there is a little bonus for the Rev Pro fans that they're doing Tanahashi and Osprey against ZSG and Suzuki, I think, the night before. Uh, yeah, I believe so. So it should be a very interesting match because with, I believe, Suzuki and Sabre Jr. still being the British Tag Team Champions as well. They are. Suzuki Gun. Can you see Zach kind of like, because he's defeated Tanahashi in the past when the New Japan Cup, but uh, the championship online, do you think they would actually put the belt on Tanahashi? Because they had put the uh, British belt on Japanese wrestlers before with Suzuki and Ishii feuding over the belt late last year. Yeah, I mean, now they've had their title on uh, Tomohiro Ishii um, in the past, so there's no reason why we can't s- see that belt around the waist of Tanahashi. Um, so that, that's always a possibility. The relationship between um, Rev Pro and uh, New Japan um, is strong. You know, Rev Pro will be heavily involved in promoting the um, Royal Quest uh, New Japan event that's taking place in London later this year. Um, so having Tanahashi as a New Japan legend go into that um, event in August as the... Uh, Rev Pro champion um, is certainly a possibility. So there's every chance of a title change there. Um, of the two, I, I, I think uh, Zack Sabre Jr. for me uh, to retain. It could be interesting with that uh, show in London coming up. Uh, if Dash was the one here, potentially setting up a rematch for that show. But I think you're right to go with Zack Sabre Jr., who's also my pick. Grant, do you see Zack Sabre Jr. retain against the legend Tanashi? I'm totally behind Zack Sabre Jr. retaining, even though it would be interesting when I go to London in August to see Tana with a belt. It would be an interesting sight. Oh, look at Mr. Big Show. I get to go to all and I get to go to New Japan. <laughs> rubbing it in, a, in us common folk. <laughs> uh, we'll go down to some of the other matches. Uh, we do have on the pre-show the Honor Rumble, a 30-man match. Uh, not a lot of people announced for this. Uh, we do have Jushin Thunder Liger, who's set to retire next year. We have PJ Black, Cheeseburger, and Kenny King, a few names announced, but uh, a lot of mystery around this because we don't know which people will be in it. We know there'll be 30 participants, but uh, who do you see as potential entrants in this match? Are there any potential surprises? I think I'm tr- I couldn't really come up with any surprises, but from the New Japan roster, because he's not in the main card, I'm a huge fan of him. I'd love to see Taguchi appear. The man makes me laugh more than any other wrestler. Interesting. Uh, well, well, I, I've been a Ring of Honor fan since it first launched back in 2001, so I'm thinking old school here and uh, I'm thinking, you know, some blast from the past and old, old faces like, uh, I don't know, Special K or Carnage Crew, um, people we've not seen for a long time. Uh, it might not be those guys, but uh, no, I'm sure that there will be one or two faces from Ring of Honor's past that... Uh, no, we, we haven't seen for, for quite a while that will just turn up in that match. Um, and that would be nice to see. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that, that's my expectation. 
Uh, I, I do see it kind of taking the place of the New Japan one, which they didn't have this year, where you have a mix of kind of current talent that, can't, that aren't on the main show and kind of a few legends kind of thrown in there. And I don't really know if there's really anything up for grabs and that. So I think it's just a way for uh, people who, like I said, aren't on the main card to still be highlighted at MSG. Well, there's there's another you're mentioning the old school mo, and I think Loki is in the area that weekend as well. He could be a surprise. That would be, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, I, I was just thinking about that earlier on actually, and I thought, well, that that'd be great, but I'm not sure what his contractual status with MLW is, and they've got a kind of rival TV show which airs on Be In in the United States. So, if that isn't a problem, then you know he'd be a great shout for. Um, appearing in that match, and um, you know, that would certainly be good. He's uh, one of those ROH originals, and uh, you know, was back in the day um, just an amazing talent for Ring of Honor, and one of the uh, you know people that paved the way for you know the current crop of Ring of Honor stars. So uh, that'd certainly be a good uh, individual to see in that match as well. Uh, and the classic match with Fergal Devitt back in the day in New Japan as well. So it would get a, it would be a massive reaction if he was to come at being a Ring of Honor original. I believe the first ever Ring of Honor champion. Uh, yeah, I think um, at the Murphy Rex Center back in February two thousand and one, um, there was a three way match: um, Christopher Daniels, Loki, and oh, who was it? Samoa Joe. Yeah, um, Joseph for that one. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean. It, it was. Uh, I, I was an ECW fan, and uh, obviously when it went by the wayside. Um, sorry, it was 2002 that Ring of Honor launched. Sorry, 2001 is when ECW, um, you know, finally bit the dust, and um, there was that kind of gap that was there. And then, you know, there were people that were involved in uh, ECW, like Gabe Sapolsky, who said, "Well, let, let's just set up our own promotion," um, and they wanted to go in a different direction to ECW. Uh, with Ring of Honor, and um, you know, they launched in February 2002, and um, you know, 17 years on, still going strong, and uh, was certainly uh, you know, a, a, a massive void to fill. Um, but I thought they, you know, certainly did that with their own kind of take on pro wrestling. And uh, you know, over the years, they've delivered you know, a really fine product. You know, you think back to the likes of. Samoa Joe at his peak, CM Punk, the rivalry that those two had, American Dragon, Brian Danielson, um, the Briscoes in their pomp. Um, so many great talents have come through Ring of Honor. You know, you think about the guy who's going to be in the semi-main event at WrestleMania, Seth Rollins, uh, when he was Tyler Black. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so many great wrestlers have come through that promotion, and it's been um, such a big part of American pro wrestling for. Now, coming up to close to two decades now, so uh, it's it's really good that the promotion is um, going to be showcased on such a big uh, you know stage in, with MSG on the Saturday night, the night before WrestleMania, and um, you know, I'm really glad for the talent that are there and for the the promotion as well because I, I think it's certainly even to this day one of the best promotions out there. Absolutely, uh, interesting you mentioned ECW there because we do have. ACW original and Billy Ray who threw a New York street fight kind of open challenge and it seems that Juice Robinson, the IWGP United States champion, 
seems to be the person that is uh, going to be accepting the challenge. Uh, Grant, you mentioned an incident point before, just was announced that uh, there have been teases of uh, it looked like it was originally going to be Minoru Suzuki, but are you are you happy to see just Johnson or do you think Minoru will be involved somehow? I could see Minoru wanting to make his appearance because it would seem a shock not to have him appearing on the main card with how long he's been in New Japan and the fact that he is probably one of the most frightening men to walk the planet. Absolutely, yeah. He definitely would not want to mess with Minoru Suzuki. Uh, just Robinson, though, at the same time, it does seem like a good fit, though, for this spot because it seems he seems to fit the kind of mould of guys that Bill Ray has been targeting and his heel run of guys he feels hasn't haven't paid their dues, but just has kind of gone through the dojo in New Japan, so I think he has his own way paid his dues, and I think he'll be one to kind of stand up to, quite finally, a bully and Billy Ray, but definitely see Minoru show up as well, because him and just just also being a champion, they're two guys you'd think would be featured prominently on this card. I mean, there's definitely room for a few. I mean, I would have thought Flip Gordon would have made the card, but unfortunately he's out injured, and Juice is making more regular appearances in Ring of Honor. He started Lifeblood with Bandido and Mark Haskins, mm-hmm. who's making an impact as well. Uh, what were your thoughts on this uh, street fight? Do you think Suzuki will get involved? Or? Um, possibly. I, th- I think they might just, just leave it as... Um, without those bells and whistles and outside interference, other than possibly just a surprise, I don't know, Devon might just turn up out of the blue. <laughs> you know, stranger <laughs> things have happened. Um, just, just for the pop and the reaction. Um, but uh, no, it, it's good that uh, Juice is getting a match on this show because I, I think he has been um, so good um, since early last year not only in New Japan, um, but also some of the work he's done in Ring of Honor as well. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know, he, he was one of these guys that was obviously uh, not quite cutting it in NXT. And, um, you know, some talent um, take that kind of um, situation quite badly and uh, never to be seen again. Whereas, you know, he used it as a positive um, to rebuild his career and you know, he's certainly a, a very, very um, consistent, dependable worker. And uh, I think that, you know, he could actually do something uh, really interesting. And uh, being a street fight as well, it will certainly be a, a kind of match which will stand out from a lot of the rest of the stuff on this show. Absolutely. Uh, it's good to have that variety. And I think given Billy turned heel almost a year ago, Ring of Honor, this would be a good place for him as a bully to get his comeuppance. Yeah, it would. Yeah, um, you know that that's um, the kind of stuff that he's quite good at. In fact, um, playing that kind of role um, was quite effective in performing that role in Impact, and uh, just a bit bizarre that WWE could have really run with it, but they, as usual, chose not to, and took him back to being the old, um, you know. Uh, Bubba Ray character, but um, you know, the, the Bully Ray stuff is um, really good, and uh, you know, he has to get that come up at, uh, at some point. And what better stays in to do it at the uh, Supercard? And so, yeah, uh, we're gonna go through our last two matches. Uh, these matches are I'm not as familiar with, so I may rely on you guys as help here. Uh, we have Dalton Castle, former Ring of Honor World Champion, taking on Rush, who a big star in CMLL. Uh, what can you guys tell me about Rush? I'm not as familiar. 
Well, Rush is um, an individual that's been a big star for CMLL for quite some time. Um, and I think that um, him signing a contract with Ring of Honor a couple of months ago was quite a big deal, in fact. Quite a coup for uh, Ring of Honor because I think that um, AEW, um, I think from memory, were interested in him as well. And uh, there might have even been some interest from WWE, um, certainly in terms of the Latin market. Um, you know, he's certainly somebody who could have um, shifted the needle. Um, but... Uh, the fact is, he signed with Ring of Honor and um, he still can work um, CMLL and um, still works the Friday shows that I um, try to keep up with most weeks. Um, Dalton Castle is um, obviously the former Ring of Honor heavyweight champion and uh, dropped the belt to uh, Jay Lethal um, quite some time. It was it June, July, certainly around the summertime last year. Um, and he's been struggling with injuries, um, so he, he's and he's still struggling with injuries. He's still not 100. Um, percent So I think this is the kind of match that's tailor made for uh, Rush to get over with um, a large audience, and uh, you know, certainly use it to become a prominent um, player in Ring of Honor in the months to come. Great. Uh, this schedule, you know, only been signed for a few months. It's Definitely be a good showcase for him going against a former Ring of Honor champion. Oh, it's definitely going to be a big, a big one. Um, but yeah, as Mo said, Castle's injuries—it's quite noticeable how much of a, how much he's had to slow down to to deal with them. I mean, he had a, he had a broken back and everything, so it's it's going to be a long struggle back from. But I think Dal- Dalton's got a very good character, so he can make an entertaining match. Definitely. Uh... We do have the uh, Women of Honour, the kind of subdivision of Ring of Honour, being represented with the Women of Honour champion. And I um, apologise dreadfully if I butcher this name, Mayu Iwatani. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, yeah, spot on. Oh. Yep, brilliant. I was very, very nervous because some of the other Japanese names uh, I was able to pronounce, but this was the one I was nervous about. Yeah, she's uh, defending against Kelly Klein. Uh, I don't, I'm not able to keep up with Women of Honour and because there's obviously so much wrestling out there. Uh, what do you guys know? Are you guys more familiar with Women of Honor, Grant? I'll start with you. Um, a little bit familiar, not as much as I used to be, but um, Mayu Iwatani I'm a bit familiar with because of her work in stardom. She's really good. She's still quite young. Um, she's definitely one to watch. She's really put some good matches. Uh, well, are you familiar with uh, Women of Honor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I followed the tournament last year. I didn't think it was a particularly good tournament um, to crown the inaugural champion. And um, no, Sumi Sakai was the uh, lady that won the uh, inaugural tournament to crown a champion uh, from memory. I think I think that's how it panned out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, she then dropped the belt to Kelly Klein um, at final battle back in December. Um, and then Klein dropped it um, at Bayern Bayona um, a couple of months ago. So, um, you know, Iwatani goes into it as a champion. And um, as Grant mentioned, you know, she certainly comes with um, some pedigree as one of the um, top stars from um, stardom. Um, you know, she is up there with the likes of Momo Watanabe as a really, really good um talent from that promotion um so you know their, their match um 
a few weeks ago when Iwatani won the belt. Um, it was certainly the best women's match I've seen in Ring of Honor this calendar year. Um, so I, th I think that these two, if they're given you know, even 10 minutes, um, I think we'll still put together you know, a really fun match. And uh, I think that Iwatani um, might just drop it, though. I think that um, you know, Klein is somebody that they um, are looking to build around. Whereas with Iwatani, I think um, you know, they'll, they'll be looking to um, you know, use her as much as possible. But uh, WWE, as we know, um, certainly have uh, links with Stardom. They've already signed up to their top stars in the last uh, year, 18 months. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if Iwatani ultimately does end up in the WWE. Um, but I think in the meantime, um, whilst they have got her services, um, they will try to make the most of it, most of them. But I think Klein might just pick up the belt here and regain that championship. Definitely, and like whether or not you're familiar with Women of Honor, it's good to see them being represented on the card, and hopefully they can pull out something that will make a lot more people who maybe not are familiar with them take step up and take notice. Uh, that has been G1 Super, Super Card, and we're going to spend another five, ten minutes going through the rest of the card, as this is the you know, best in East, but... Uh, Supercard was going to be the show that was going to take up most of the attention, but you said earlier, well, stranger things have happened, and that does seem to be the tagline for WrestleMania week because there are some bizarre matchups and bizarre shows out there going on that week if you're in New York. Grant, I want to start with you. Uh, we're talking about all the different shows the, week, the other day that are going to be in New York. Uh, what are some of the ones that immediately stand out to you that think? These are going to be ones that, if you're in New York, you'd probably go to. My top ones are definitely Joy Janela's Spring Break 3, which is being done as two shows because it's quite big. Um, there's Joey Ryan's Penis Party, because why not? Let's give Jim Cornette a poke. Yeah, it definitely does sound like the title of Jim Cornette's Worst Nightmare. <laughs> um, another one kind of more out left field. Um, if people have watched it, Previous years, Matt Riddle done it, and um, this year it's Josh Barnett, Bloodsport. I've uh, heard of it, yeah. Really good catch. Uh, definitely, yeah, because you mentioned Bloodsport uh, will feature Josh Barnett, and he will be taking on, and we mentioned earlier, Minoru Suzuki, which should be a very intense match. And uh, we do have, actually, Frank Moore also taking on Dan the Beast Seren, a former NWA champion, former WAF wrestler. Uh, so it definitely is an emphasis in that show on more of a mixed martial arts meets kind of wrestling in that show. Yeah, definitely. And with other shows, um, Joey Ryan's Penis Party, they have David Arquette is getting served to Timothy Thatcher. So RIP David Arquette. Uh, a, a dream match. Everybody was waiting to see that. <laughs> and we have the wonderful news that for Joey Janela's spring break, the singer from Wheatus is competing in the Clutter Park match. Yeah, the, fill me in because this was a, a strange bit of news that I'm still struggling to process. You know, what is exactly is the clusterfuck? It is exactly what it says. <laughs> it is. Okay. It's a rumble style match. It's the Invisible Man won it last <laughs> year. Um, RIP the Invisible Man. He got murdered. We're still trying to figure out who done it. Oh. Yeah, that does seem interesting. Uh, it's split into two parts, as you said. Uh, match for me came, comes on part two. On April 6th, the same day as you on Supercard, we'll have the three Hall of Famers, the Rock and Roll Express, taking on former Impact Tag Team Champions LAX, which seems like a very unique, but uh, could have the potential to be a really good match. 
Oh, definitely. It's 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 uh, certainly it's an interesting one, and as we're saying, wild, wacky stipulations. One of the shows, Orange Cassidy show, has a, a match with a one-minute time yeah. limit, and another which is best of thirteen falls. <laughs> okay, you said definitely interesting. Uh, well, I wanted to mention the Orange Cassidy show because the segment is simply titled uh, "Terry Hart Reading Rainbow." You can never be sure with, with WrestleMania week, but. That's it. There's there's way too many, but I mean, Trent 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 Beretta against Chucky T, best friends, one minute time on it, every spot in sixty seconds. Is it's in the wonder how they're going to pull it off? Uh, Mo, is there any matches, any matches WrestleMania that you think are going to be very interesting? Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, um, WrestleCon who run these conventions and they bring in dozens and dozens of wrestlers to do these autograph signings and uh, all of that stuff. Um, also run their super shows as part of that. And um, one of the matches on the super show, which is on the 4th of April, so I think that would be Thursday evening. It'll be the Thursday is... before WrestleMania. That's right. Um, so that is a match between Will Ospreay and Bandido. Um, so I think these two in a one-on-one um, could pull something really exceptional out of the bag um you know these are arguably the two hottest high flies around at the moment um so i think they're capable of anything if they're, if they're given the time if they've got the inclination um you know they could put something really really good together so this is a match that wouldn't be out of place on the g1 supercard in msg uh, but that that's certainly one that sticks out for me um and then evolve which is one of my um, favourite promotions um, uh, has got a couple of uh, interesting ones coming up. Um, they've got um, on on the on the undercard uh, Darby Allen against Anthony Henry. Um, these two have been a couple of my favourite wrestlers in uh, Evolve over the last twelve months. I think they've done some really good work, um, and, and that could certainly be one to watch out for um, as a match with no real buzz. But um, I think they do something really good together. Um, and then we've got Austin Theory um, defending his Evolve Championship against uh, Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that is certainly promising to be um, another really um, promising match to keep an eye out for. And that will be taking place also um, on the 4th uh, this Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Austin Theory, for those that are not familiar, um, is certainly a talent that... Um, it's only a matter of time before he does end up in um, NXT. Um, Evolve, as um, a lot of listeners should be aware, um, have got a working relationship with NXT and um, kind of an unofficial feeder promotion to NXT. So as one of their feature performers in Austin Theory, um, it's only a matter of time, as I say, before he ends up in NXT. Um, and ultimately into the WWE. He's only a young guy. He's, I think, only about 22, 23. Um, but, you know, he, he looks the part. And um, as a worker, he just improves month on month. And uh, I think he'll have a really good match with Kyle O'Reilly. Absolutely. Uh, Austin Theory, like you said, is definitely the kind of guy you know. If he went to NXT, you'd definitely be in line for a big push upon his arrival. And it's almost, it's almost sickening how good he is at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got the kind of physique that will get Vince excited as well. Uh, you know, so, so that always helps 
when it comes to your career prospects in WWE. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think he's, he's got a lot going for him. And, uh, you know, it'll be a really good test to see just what level he is as a worker working the main event of uh, the Evolve WrestleMania weekend show against um, you know, one of the best indie talents of the last decade in Kyle O'Reilly. Obviously, he's um, a WWE talent now, but uh, you know, over the last 10 years, Kyle O'Reilly was as good as anyone on the independents when he was working in the likes of Ring of Honor. So um, no, I, th- I think this could be a really good test for Theory and we'll see exactly how good he is after that contest um, on Thursday night. Absolutely, and uh, I want to quickly run down uh, a few of the shows I think will be most interesting uh, before we wrap up. We have Impact Wrestling also on the floor putting together their United We Stand show, which will feature the team of RVD and Sabu featuring against the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. And also on that same show, we have uh, Tessa Blanchard taking on Joey Ryan, and we have a Monsters Ball match featuring Jimmy Havoc and Sammy Callahan. And uh, we mentioned earlier on we're going to have that match with Tanahashi and Osprey versus Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. But we're also going to see on that show Tomohiro Ishii beat David Starr and Roppongi 3K versus Ozzy Open. And that was all the shows we mentioned. Does this seem like us as wrestling fans nowadays are just being spoiled nowadays? Oh, there's totally a crazy amount going on there and Quite a lot of those shows we mentioned, things like Darby Allen, um, he'll be a super strong style for progress. Um, Impact's got super strong style entrance. We've got a lot of talent coming all over the place, and it's hard to keep track of all. Definitely, and uh, you mentioned Joey Ryan's PS4. I want to mention this match that was announced, and like I said, with Jim Cornette's Nightmare, this could mean event Jim Cornette's worst nightmare, which is the team of Mar- Session Moss Martina, better known to Scottish and Irish fans. Uh, Priscilla Kelly and Scarlett Bordeaux teaming up against Sexy Eddie, Joey Ryan and former WWE superstar Val Venus. A uh, very interesting intergender match to say the very least. Well, I, I can only do one connect going mental. <laughs> it might just finish him off. Um, <laughs> no, it's... Uh, there's a place for stuff like this. Um, no, whatever... Whatever Jim Cornette wants to think, he can think. But um, wrestling has always been of that variety. There's been serious stuff. There's been light-hearted stuff uh, for decades now. It's not a, n- a new thing. It's not a recent phenomenon. Um, you know, if you go back far enough, you'll you'll if you look closely enough, you'll find that comedy. Now, even if you watch World of Sport, you can find matches with with the likes of um, Cat Weasel, which were pure comedy. Uh, so, you know, the, the whole thing about wrestling has to be fought in a certain way, certain style is complete nonsense. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, that, that hasn't been the case for many, 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 many years. So, you know, variety is the spice of life and variety is what makes wrestling what it is. So, you know, if, if Jim Cornette doesn't like that, then, um, you know, he can go back crawling under the rock from which he uh, came from. And Amen to that. And on uh, that note, I think that's a good time to wrap this up. I mean, we talked in the with Geo Supercard, but I think we're going to be here all day because I believe we've only scratched the surface of what else is going on in the independent scene WrestleMania weekend. But uh, I thank uh, my panel for joining me today. Thanks, uh, Grant. Thank you very much for having me on again. Uh, Mo, thank you very much for joining us for this special show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Really glad to be on. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Remember to give us... Uh, 
rating review on all good Android podcasts and sites. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SuplexFreeCheating. Hopefully you've also been listening to the rest of our Mania Week output going over the Hall of Fame, NXT, and the entire WrestleMania card, as well as Superstar Profiles. And we have some special interviews coming up with the likes of TJP and plenty much more to come. Just as much content from us as there are, is going on WrestleMania week. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online. You should be subscribing. You should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing, I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now Sports Social Podcast Network Hey guys, it is Ryan, I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can, I like to work, but I like fun too It's a thing, and now the truth is out there, I can tell you about my favourite place to have fun, Chumba Casino They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week, you can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.